What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football, Bleacher Report's college football and NFL draft podcast. I'm your host, Matt Miller. Joined, as always, Monday morning, beautiful day. We got Mello across me and our boy Connor in New York. Guys, it's great to be back together for another show. I'm just glad that I was able to make it into work this morning because uh, <laughs> Saturday night got a little rough for us recording here Sunday. So I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it sounded like bowling out of all things got a little out of control. So I don't even you've I don't been even here. know how to you know yeah. like it's the aftermath of the bowling. It's not the bowling itself that gets out of control. It's, it's a little of both. I bowled a one forty, which is the best I've ever bowled. And uh also I hadn't been home in like a month. So it was like I had to do the damage to my body that I haven't been. So uh we made up for it. Uh, like Mello said, spoiler alert, we're recording this before the Super Bowl because we want to be able to go out tonight and have fun and watch the game and not be recording at midnight. Uh, you wouldn't be able to understand us anyway. So before the game, uh, so congratulations to the, and then Whiskey can just put in the team name there. New England Patriots. Uh, we do have a fun show, guys. Uh, we have Saquon Hampton, a safety prospect from Rutgers, is going to come on the show, hang out with us, talk about uh, you know growing up in Jersey and deciding to stay at home and go to the state school up there uh, about his draft process. We're going to do our top five trades that we would like to see happen because it is the offseason officially. Now, as you guys are listening to this, it's draft season. Uh, we're going to do draft on draft questions. Before we get to that, my I'm contractually obligated to remind you I'm actually not. I was going to say, I didn't sign a contract. Yeah, it's funny. Neither did I. Uh, that uh, Stick to Football Live will be happening at Two Deep Brewing Company in Indianapolis, Indiana is where that city is. March 2nd at 5 o'clock, come out. Um, the rumor on the street is we set up a ticketing service. If you use the app Night Out, you can search for it. You can sign up. Tickets are free. If you will come and show me or Mello or Connor that you have a ticket, you will get a free koozie. Good chance there's a drink in that koozie that we're going to hand you. You can get in even if you don't have a ticket, but it helps us uh, show our bosses that you guys like us if we actually have you sign up in advance. So please do that. Uh, check it out on Night Out. Just search for STF uh, Combine, I, th I think is what it is. So uh, that's all the news that I have. Let's get into the show. And I want to start here, guys. You know I was in Atlanta all week last week, and you kind of get like run through the mill there. It's like a car wash where – and it happens to me to a lesser extent. I go down and it's like, okay, I'm going to do 20 radio shows in three days and go to those places and talk about the draft in the offseason. So Kyler Murray is being paid by Gatorade. And this is very common. Very, very common. A, a company pays you and Connor deals with this a lot. And you go do interviews and rep that brand. We've had guys on the show doing the same thing, right? It's like, hey, uh, Deion Sanders is repping Botox. We get to talk to him because of Botox. That's a true story. So Kyler Murray's doing this shit for Gatorade and he goes down there and gives the worst interviews I've ever seen. And I've interviewed a lot of people in the last eight years. It was just weird. He like played with his hair and like slouched in a seat, didn't answer questions. Who's advising this kid? It, it wasn't even like he didn't just, you know, answer the questions is the way he did it. Like, did you not expect Dan Patrick to ask you about football and baseball? Like, you had to know that was coming at least give like a bullshit answer or say you haven't made up your mind yet. I yeah. mean, he literally sat there and was silent for a good chunk of time. Connor, you've done a ton of interviews as well. I mean, it, we've done a lot together. I've never seen anything like it. What is like, what do you think man? watching this? Like, is he just immature? Does, does he just not know the answer? So he doesn't know how to respond. What's what the hell is going on? I mean, there's so many layers involved with this. First off, Dan Patrick did everything he could to not make it one of the most embarrassing, you know, interviews of all time, whether it was him yelling to the dad, got some laughs. So, you know, DP did everything he could. But here's the problem I have with it, guys, because a lot of people were like, why would he go do it if he wasn't prepared? He's being paid by Gatorade to go do the interview. So he clearly wanted the check. Good for him. Go get your money. You're a hot name right now. And. You know, there's money on the table from a brand with as much prestige that Gatorade has. Go do it. But when you do it that way, you not only embarrass yourself, but you embarrass the brand that's sitting on the table that you're representing. So, listen, I'm a fan of Kyler Murray on the football field. I just think when you go into like it like that, it shows, one, that you're clearly just not prepared. Two, who is advising you in this situation i mean we know scott boris is your baseball agent we know your dad is heavily heavily involved with everything you do but at some point when are you going to be a grown man and and just i don't know come up with something like you 
you know that's going to be the first thing everyone asks you or the most important thing everyone asks you. All you had to say was, I plan on going to spring training if if everything works out the way I hope it is. And I'm also training for the NFL Combine. I don't have, you know, an exact plan right now down to a science. So there's so much wrong with this. And my biggest takeaway, guys, is that it seems so obvious now that Kyler Murray is just leveraging every opportunity yep. he has to get the $15 million contract from the A's in the end of this. I want to uh, read you guys some of the texts that I got um, about this because obviously like, it's a big deal in the draft community. A lot of scouts are and agents and GMs. Like it, it was the topic of conversation. Uh, one guy texts me, uh, he's still going first. It doesn't matter, but he needs to get a fucking agent and actually do it the right way. Another guy said, one interview won't make or break him but it's just dumb doing that. Another one was like, this is LeVar Ball all over again. And that was the one that like hit me. It's like, it's like you're just, everything is like Connor said, a leverage play where it's like he he won't commit one way or another. And I think that's in more in relation to like the fact that his dad is kind of managing the situation. But yeah, he does need to get an agent and like kind of get his stuff together and figure out what he's going to do. Spring training's in two weeks, guys. Like you got to make, or 10 days, geez. Like you have to make a decision very, very soon. So I guess we'll see that. Uh, one team that is making a decision, that's Miami Dolphins. A report came out this week uh, that they're going to move on from Ryan Tannehill. I know Mello is heartbroken. I know Connor is too, because this means the Dolphins might actually be good in the future. I am all about it. Where they draft, uh, there's a very good chance that they're going to have to move up to get a quarterback. At 13 overall, we've been saying, guys, three quarterbacks are going to go top 10. It's probably going to be Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke. So Daniel Jones it would be in play at 13 potentially. And Mello, you're smiling. <laughs> if that happens, I'm going to laugh. Laugh my ass off the whole draft. If they take Daniel Jones, I won't even be able to contain it. I will probably have to go Instagram live immediately or maybe just for the reaction I do it. But it's it's going to be ridiculous if they take Daniel Jones. I mean, that would be taking Daniel Jones, as you say, Mel, it's getting Ryan Tannehill on the rookie contract. That's the difference. <laughs> like, so <laughs> time is a flat circle. Jesus, in that true instance. detective, man. <laughs> it, it really is. The you're draft in Carcosa, is a flat circle. Miami. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. But I mean, if you're Miami one, if you're a Miami fan, you're probably feeling good. Hey, you know, they finally realized that the Ryan Tannehill era needs to come to an end. I think the biggest thing is if you're going to make this move, go be aggressive. Don't half-ass it and sit there and say, hey, we'll see who falls to us. Find your guy, whoever, you know, Flores is going to build his staff. There's rumors out there who's coming with him. But when it comes down to it, you know, find the guy that you like and you could develop and do everything in your power to get into the top five to get him. Yeah, they're going to have to be aggressive. And we've said before, and we'll get into this a little bit, but there, there are teams, the Niners and the, and the Jets, sitting at two and three that are going to want to trade. It's smart for them to trade. Um, well, also, they could tank it this year and wait till the next year. Oh, yeah, like get Joe Flacco and then just. Like, uh, even worse, tank, tank. Like, I mean, go trade like a sixth rounder for Nick Mullins ooh, and start him all year and just lo- try to lose out and take the best player available. And then take Jake Fromm or two. I've always said two yeah. would just look good in that uniform. Yeah, he would. Don't you think yeah. Teddy Bridgewater is going to do everything he can to get to Miami though? Oh, probably. Yeah. Like that makes he's sense. A, he's a Miami guy, right? Yeah, yeah, he is. Like that's he's probably very excited. Like he is also going to be pumped about hearing this Tannehill news even <laughs> more so than I am. But yeah, I, I don't know that Teddy's a tank situation necessarily, but uh man, he's going to get paid. And we have other news that about quarterbacks that we'll get to in the Nick Foles situation is obviously interesting, but I think it's smart for the Dolphins. I really do. Like I've always felt like they should have never given Tannehill that hundred million dollar contract. And I know that it wasn't actually a hundred million dollars, but it just never made sense. He was it was they were trying so hard to make it work with him, and it just it was never there. And now injuries are you know mounting up, so a bad situation for the Dolphins. I want to talk about a horrible, horrible situation. And we have to like kind of preface that it's there are allegations right now that DeAndre allegedly. Francois allegedly uh, I, I, there's an Instagram video. I'm trying to think of the right words to use here. There's an Instagram video that uh, his girlfriend or ex-girlfriend posted that is allegedly him talking and you hear the sound of her being hit by a man who's yelling at her and Florida State reacted Sunday morning. They kicked him off the team. And I don't know if you guys know how hard it is to get kicked out of Florida State. 
but it's really hard. So, I mean, hey, good job, Willie Taggart, by just saying, hey, enough's enough. We're done with it. We don't want to be associated with this. But I, I know, Connor, you spent some time down there this year. I've spent time talking to scouts, just, you know, trying to get a feel for the, the team. And, you know, when you're scouting like Brian Burton, you, you ask, hey, who else you got? Like, who are the problem guys? And DeAndre Francois's name, and I know our guy Jim Nagy tweeted about this, that it's like some of the worst red flags he's ever seen at quarterback. And that was, he even said, aside from the domestic assault charge. Yeah. He cannot recall scouting a quarterback with more football character red flags. That's a problem. Yeah, that's bad. There have been some shitty quarterbacks out there, like off field, and he's saying Francois is the worst. Connor, what did you hear when you were at the Florida State-Miami game? Yeah, so when I went to the Miami game, uh, you know, obviously being media, they they put me in the press box in a reserve seat, and ironically, they put me with all the Florida State team employees, and there's like a million of them. I, I've out of all the press boxes I sat in this year, that one they had like at least fifteen people, and you have guys that manage the film, you have guys that are doing media for the team, all different kinds of people, and. You know, some, you know, there's just so many different people there. And I'm sitting there and without even poking or prodding, I'm just trying to watch the game. They talked about for at least a full quarter, like how much the team and the staff hated DeAndre Francois. And this is before any of this. This is just the middle of the season. And I'm sitting there and I'm just like, man. And then, you know, people were like, he's not really necessarily a bad kid, but like just so unlikable, not a leader. So there were red flags off the charts and it's, how bad is it when like the staff of the team you play quarterback for is openly saying that in a place where the media lives? I mean, they weren't shouting it, but I'm two rows behind you. And it's it just, it was mind blowing. <laughs> in a BR absolutely, polo probably. Yeah. And I'm wearing bleacher report stuff. Like it, it's just insane when people openly discuss things like that. It, it kind of tells you everything you need to know. I think even without this, they did not want him back next year. And this was obviously just the final straw. And it really sets them up nicely. I know their backup quarterback, James Blackman, he's a guy that entered the transfer portal. They got to do everything they can to keep that dude on campus because Florida State doesn't have much behind him. And and Blackman looked solid his freshman year. He didn't have much around him. But Florida State's got to do something to get him back because they do not have a quarterback now. They, they really don't. And I think for DeAndre Francois, I've had a lot of people asking me, like, hey, does he try to go supplemental draft? Does he transfer? Like, what does he do? I don't care. He's done. He's done playing football, and that should be like the least of our concern. Like, oh God, where is he going to play football next year? If this is true, like the Florida Penal League is where he should be playing football next year. So uh, I, I like. I, I don't care. Like, we'll talk about him if he resurfaces. But for all intents and purposes, DeAndre Francois does not exist in the stick to football universe anymore. Um, yeah, good riddance. So uh, moving on to positive news, and I know that this will make both of you. It's interesting to both of you. Because there's a lot of connections here to Mello and Connor. Don Yee, who was Tom Brady's agent, uh, came out earlier this week. You guys may have heard about it at the Super Bowl. He's doing the rounds and he came out and said Trevor Lawrence should uh, not play another down at Clemson. Like he should play professional football. He should be allowed to play in the NFL, yada, yada, yada. And it comes out that Don Yee is starting a football league. Coincidence. And now he's saying that Trevor Lawrence should sign with his Pacific Pro Football League and play there two years, then go to the NFL. He's offering him money, uh, an endorsement deal, tuition and books at a community college, and the fact that he could then market himself for two years. Fuck that. He's saying that it would be like Joe Namath uh, going to the AFL back in the day. Like, it would give this league legitimacy by doing that. It, it definitely would, and I totally get where he's coming from, too, because it is bullshit that these guys like Trevor Lawrence, he's going to go two more years at Clemson, and he can't go out and market himself. After that national championship performance, he could be a millionaire based off what he was able to do on the football field. But because of NCAA rules, he can't do it. At the same time, fuck that. I love college football too much. <laughs> I hope this league collapses, even though it would be great for the players. Uh, I need my Texas Longhorns to be playing some football. Yeah, and I don't know, man. I don't. I, this happens with the NBA, right? Like guys can go overseas and play. Or they can go into the G League. And yeah. a lot of them still don't. Right. Don't you need that. the development that you're going to get in college. And you also like you need to learn and grow. Trevor Lawrence is great. We think he's going to be a fantastic quarterback prospect. I don't know that his body's ready to go play against, you know, 25, 30 year old ex NFL guys right now. And college is hard enough. And he gets hit by guys at Bama. I know there's not a huge difference, but I think he needs to like 
learn and grow and mature. And there's something to like just being able to be a kid in college. Now it is bullshit that he can't market himself. I think that would solve a lot of the problems in the in college football and the NCAA if guys could just market themselves. And if you're good, you're going to make money. If you're not, you're not. Problem solved, right? But I don't see. I don't like the idea of guys trying to circumvent the process. You know, do a Maurice Claret and sue the NFL to try to get in the draft early. Like I, I really don't like that. I think that the NFL and college football have really a good thing going. Three years is a good number, and there are exceptions. Very few, though. And we'll see if Trevor Lawrence is actually one of them. I mean, the arrow's pointing up. The the kid looks like he's going to be great, but I don't I don't like the idea of him jumping to this other league. No, and he seems to be enjoying his yeah. time in Clemson, too. Like, right. with Dabo Sweeney, he might win three national championships, and he's probably going to be a Heisman winner before it's all said and done, too. Yeah, exactly. I think Trevor Lawrence is not the type of player, football player or person that would have interest in going this route. I mean, I think he has aspirations to be, you know, possibly the greatest college quarterback of all time, like any college quarterback does. But after a freshman season like that, you look at the next two years in front of you and you say, why can't I do this? So, I mean, it, but here's the thing on the flip side of it is smart by Don Yee, because guess what? Did it half the people that read that probably didn't know he was starting? a football. I didn't know he was. Yeah, now they do. <laughs> I didn't. So now I'm sitting here like brilliant. Now you got the yeah. PR that you wanted, whether Trevor Lawrence stays at Clemson or not, which spoiler alert, he will be staying yeah. there. Yeah, absolutely. will be. All right. Last bit of news, guys. Um, Usain Bolt is fast. I don't like, He's just really fast. It's ridiculous how fast he is. He just broke or he tied the record for the 40 yard dash, ran a 4-2-2, which sounds very impressive. And you're like, oh, yeah, he should do that. Except for the fact that you have to think he's 32 years old right now. He also was in like basketball shoes or right, something. And just showed up and ran. It wasn't like he was probably stretching on the sideline. And it, it looked like he even stopped a little bit short. So he yeah. didn't run into a wall. This guy's ridiculous. And he's like 6'4". Yeah. At 32 years old, I if I'm an NFL team, I would call him for a tryout. And he's like, yeah. And the thing like that we'll talk more about this throughout the process. We can get some trainers on even if you guys are interested where – like you're you're trained to run a forty. Like his he's he's the greatest runner in the world, but like he doesn't look like he's running a forty. You know, it's like he's just like oh, I'll just run. Like if he trained for this for a week, even he's shattering that he, record. He might get into the threes, honestly. Jesus, like can you imagine? And, and he he was always a guy that was build up speed. Like this was somebody yeah, that yeah. dominated the hundred and was notorious for that second half of the hundred just flying by everyone his he was bolt's weakness was always the start so the fact that he just did this in street clothes with no training on the 40 on the 40 yard dash is absolutely hilarious it's ridiculous and i don't think that was the surface at the combine either i think they just yeah. threw down some green carpet and let dude run on it and he still had a four he ran 109.58 seconds that's the world record and he owns the world record by like a healthy margin, like a, a good bit of difference between him and Tyson Gay. So he's, it's just not fair that some people can be that athletic. Basically let's get into some of these trades that we want to see happen. Guys. I, I wrote uh, this week or I said, I'm on the podcast. Like my brain's a mess that teams expect a lot of trades this off season, especially with draft picks because of the differing values that you have on players. Right. And so we wanted to just you know have some fun with it, but five realistic trades. Like we're not going to trade Tom Brady to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or anything like that. Almost happened last year. Um, well, yeah, it was close. <laughs> but realistic trades. First one, and I want to get your guys' opinion, then I'll come back around on it. The Denver Broncos. We know they want Drew Locke. They're sitting at pick number ten overall. They're going to have to move up to get their quarterback. So John Elway calls, who's basically like his godson, Kyle Shanahan, and was like, "Hey, Kyle." We want the number two pick. We will give you pick number 10 and a second round pick and a, a fourth round pick next year to come up. You go from two to 10, uh, get some extra picks because the Niners don't have many this year and the Broncos get Drew Locke. Mello, grade that trade for me. For, for in my opinion, uh, I wouldn't do it because I'm not a big Drew Locke supporter, but John Elway is. At least that's what we hear and that's what I think. Uh, so if you're John Elway, I think he's going to grade it out as an A. You have to go get your quarterback 
I know that some teams in the past have traded up a lot to go get quarterbacks, and I haven't always agreed with it, but you're going to have to do it. To find your quarterback in the draft, you can't stay put like Connor said earlier. You can't be the Dolphins and just expect your franchise quarterback to fall to you at 13. So they're going to have to move, and if they're going to do it, I think the 49ers are going to be a good partner for them. Well, I think on top of that, too, the Niners are an interesting situation here because you're not going to make that trade until actual draft night because you still have a chance that Nick Bosa falls into your lap. Whether the Cardinals do something crazy, whether that's taking a player that's not Nick Bosa or they trade that pick because somebody wants to come up for whoever their top quarterback is, the Niners have to be patient here because they have a significant need on the edge and Nick Bosa is the best, far and away, the best player in this draft. So, I really like it for them if Nick Bosa goes one and then on draft night that is they pull the, the trigger yeah. and get more picks. But this isn't a trade that you can make early because of that. Now, on Denver's end, I mean, I'm with Mello here where I can't stomach coming up from 10 to 2 for a lock, but we've all been wrong in the past. If they believe he's the guy and they want to stand by that, specifically John Elway, the cost this year will actually be cheaper than usual. This isn't like last year where... The Jets went from six to three and gave up, you know, after swapping ones, they gave up three twos. The cost from going to 10 to two in this draft isn't going to be that high, I don't think. Yeah, I don't either. That's why I, that's why I said like a first, a second, and a, a four. That you sounds know, right. It's, it's not yeah. bad. I mean, it's, it's not going to cost a lot in the Niners. I, from two to 10 is a bit of a drop. As the resident Niners fan, I would say, like, I don't love that. But I also don't, like, I don't want them to necessarily, I love Quinn Williams. I like Josh Allen, but I don't know that the difference between those guys and, Brian Burns at 10, Cleveland Furl at 10. Like, it's not that much of a difference. I'd rather have the extra picks as well because this front office hasn't drafted that well, so we need some extra picks. All right, next trade, guys. The Washington Redskins uh, have been coy about the future of Alex Smith. I think anyone with two eyeballs and some common sense knows he's not playing football in 2019. So the Redskins trade from 15. They're going to come up to three with... Connor's Jets. Now, Connor, do you you can go first on this one. How would you feel if the Jets traded all the way back to 15? Oh, I think Jets fans should love it because uh, 15 to 3 is not 10 to 2. I mean, that's a little more significant here where the Jets would have to come out of that situation probably swapping ones, getting their second round pick back, which they did lose in the trade with the Colts last year. And then you're probably getting a 2020 first rounder too, or at least the second rounder. So, yeah. That's some serious draft capital. Now, so much of, you know, I give this an A if the Jets go out in free agency and fill some of those holes where maybe they finally get a pass rusher and they don't have to sit in the top 10 prioritizing that. Where at 15, I don't know how you guys feel. I feel like there actually will be some decent players on the board, whether it's up front on the offensive line, whether maybe that's Byron Murphy range. I mean, there's a lot of tight ends in this class. So, if you go do what you're supposed to in free agency, you can make that move. Now, if nobody makes it to the market and you come out of free agency with like Le'Veon Bell and one other player, then it's a little harder to swallow. So as you say, what if you come out with Le'Veon Bell and Shane Ray? Uh, yeah, I'm then, not a Shane Ray fan, so I think that does either. nothing for me. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, but and I'm not trying to make this a jet segment, and I'm also not trying to shit on that front office. They've struggled to close deals in free agency. So um, you can have aspirations to get uh, well, they're not going to sign Frank Clark. You can have aspirations to get, you know, Dante Fowler, who doesn't do much for me, or uh, Tank Lawrence, who's maybe not going to get free. Like it, it, Jadavian Clowney's probably a sign and trade guy if he's going to get free. So, uh, like, yeah, I, I agree that moving back to 15, um, it, it's a big jump. And I would almost do it. So if I'm the Jets, and Melo uh, will come back to you on that. I actually think that, like, I would try to come back up. Like, if you go, okay, 3 to 15, I'd be watching that board like a hawk looking for the right time to get back totally. up. Like, okay, well, now, you know, we'll go up to 10 or we'll come up to nine, like so that you can get back in and get because there's going to be a run on edge rushers at some point. And like when that happens, you have to be ready to get one. And, and there are a lot of them, thankfully, in this class. Even, I mean, guys like Rashawn Gary has been looked at as an edge guy, Ja'Kai Polite, Montez Sweat, uh, Brian Burns, O'Shane Zimenez. Ferguson, there are a ton of guys yeah. who are probably going to get a first-round grade here. And I'm with you guys, too. You mentioned this earlier, Connor. I don't think we're going to see a lot of trades before the draft. I think people are going to really, unless the Cardinals just come out and say, we're drafting Bosa, 
I don't know that we're going to see people move out. Yeah. Like, your 49ers are not moving out of that two spot if there's any chance that Bosa's on the board. And the I, NFL won't let teams do that anymore. I don't know if that's a widely known thing. You know how it used to be? like Oh, yeah, like a week before the draft, you right. know. Uh, which made mock drafts a hell of a lot easier, I'll tell you that. Uh, but, yeah, like, it, even when the Rams, everyone knew the Rams were going to take Jared Goff. They couldn't announce it yet. So I want to say, because, you know, we kind of forgot about them in this huge trade. I love this for Washington. I would love to see them go up, be aggressive, and get Dwayne Haskins or Kyler Murray. I think it would be a great move for them. And I think with Gruden there and, you know, they have pieces on offense. This isn't a bad football team. Before Alex Smith got hurt, this team was projected to win their division. Yeah. I like the Redskins sitting there and being like, hey, we're not, we're better than people think. And our think our coach is better than people realize. Let's go up and get him a quarterback for the future and right now. I definitely agree with you, too. It just goes back to that whole you can't sit back and and let these things happen to you, right. especially with the Alex Smith situation. Or you uh, get Daniel Jones. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, like the loser in this gets Daniel Jones, and you don't want that. Or you might you might be waiting for Jarrett Stidham in round two. Now that, that I can go <laughs> Like, well, that's not that bad. Yeah, I actually like this for the Redskins a lot. I don't know if Daniel Snyder and Bruce Allen and Doug Williams are going to be that aggressive, though. You know, it's just not it, – it's in their nature to – overpay guys in free agency so i could see them uh maybe being a team that does try to get someone like a nick Foles. well you're not getting nick Foles. it's not happening in the division it's just not no nope. they're gonna get joe flacco so all right next one the kansas city chiefs so fucking close to a super bowl so close they trade pick number 29 and a third to go up and get byron murphy now where that is I think we can say it's open to interpretation, but he's, I don't think he's gonna be there at 29, but if you look at it, you know, maybe a spot like 18 with the Vikings could be an area where you would try to go up and get a player that you instantly plug him into their defense with he and Kendall Fuller, I think make that secondary uh, reputable, at least, especially if they can, you know, there was a, a trade in place allegedly to get Earl Thomas before he got hurt. If they can sign Earl Thomas from free agency, That'd be so great. <laughs> My Chiefs would be so You're good if they could Chiefs. get Earl. <laughs> and so, Connor, I know you like Byron Murphy. I think you like him more than all of us. I'm looking at Melo trying to get confirmation. I know you like He's him more than corner. I do. Okay, so. And I, I have him, like, almost, like, at a tie right now. I really haven't decided who I think corner one is. Yeah. So, guys, how would you feel about the Chiefs going up, giving a third to go up and get Byron Murphy? Well, we've talked about your Niners, Connor's Jets, now my Chiefs. I would love it. Absolutely love it. And they're going to have to go get a corner. You have two second round picks. And if you can move up and just give away one of your thirds, you're all set still. Go get a corner or maybe even DeAndre Baker. Like there's going to be somebody there and you got to get one of them, especially if you're pairing Earl Thomas in that secondary too. I think you've just fixed your defense in one draft. And then with your two second round picks, you have some opportunities maybe go find a linebacker or maybe some depth on the defensive line or a center because or Mitch some, Morris yeah, is offensive lineman yeah so this pick I think would set them over the top and help them out for the next couple of years to come and you already have Pat Mahomes so I think Super Bowl if you can get if you can fix that secondary there's nothing stopping these guys other than Tom Brady yeah, that that trade is an A plus I mean if you get Byron Murphy and you only give up a third round pick to move up a couple of spots to get him I absolutely love that trade. I think it's exactly what the Chiefs need. It might have to be a pretty big jump, though. I mean, with them sitting at 29, they're going to have to get and in he's front of test teams. Well. He is going to yeah. test well. I, I'll tell you, I have a mock draft, that, uh, seven-round mock draft that came out as you guys are listening to this Monday morning. Seven? And this, seven. Seven's the number. <laughs> uh, here's what's crazy. I didn't have a corner come off the board until 20 because it's so many quarterbacks and D-linemen and edge rushers. It's like... Where's the corner going to go? You got eight D linemen and edge rushers and four quarterbacks. But all those teams are in front of Kansas City right now. Like 20 is the Steelers. Right. Right. And then you have the Raiders could maybe even use a corner in there. Philadelphia could use a corner. Uh, Maybe even Indianapolis. They're pretty rich in the secondary. But the Oakland Raiders again. Chargers, like they're going to have to get in front of some of these teams, just like with quarterbacks. But with them, it's a corner. Yeah. And I, I... Connor, what would we have to do to make you a Chiefs fan? Maybe just make the show easier. I mean, I'm close. <laughs> um, like, get Jamal Adams, Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Like, that's that's pretty much it. You could become yeah. a Royals fan, too. It's it's a lot like being See, a Mets fan. <laughs> that I can't do. I just can't do it. I, I like this. I enjoy the sadness. 
of being a Mets fan. It gives me something to complain about. So for let's get off topic here, go a little <laughs> baseball. Do you hate the Royals? Do you like have something against them because the whole World Series thing? Because I still don't like the San Francisco Giants. No, not really. I mean, no, that so that year was like a really good year because the Mets weren't supposed to make the World Series. They were like two years earlier than everyone thought, but then they just fucking plummeted after, that which is why staff. it sucks. So like, yeah. I don't I don't blame the Royals. Like the Royals were supposed to win the World Series that year after how the year before went. And I thought it was an intense World Series like with Syndergaard throwing up and in and Moustakis yelling and cursing from the bench, but it was fun. <laughs> Like the Mets making a, a calamity of errors and blown <laughs> saves and, and Cespedes letting the ball sit in the Ivy. Like those things are just, I, I don't hate the Royals for the Mets stupidity. Lucas that's not, Duda. yeah, that's <laughs> I no, love that fucking guy. <laughs> the one game I went to, the only bad experience I had with an, another fan was a Yankees fan just talking shit. <laughs> so I wasn't mad at the Royals at all. I was just like, oh, fuck the Yankees again. Yeah, that's about how we all feel. I actually hate the Orioles and Melo and I have talked about this and like, no one really knows why I think it's because of Jason lock and Fora. when I used to follow him on Twitter. Oh my God. Like really? He was so, he was the worst about like, Oh, the Orioles are great. The Royals suck. And like, you know, the Royals oh, no. made those like, uh, these O's ain't Royal shirts, which is hilarious. And he like made it sound like they were like burning crosses or something. Like, come on, man. Like they're funny. T-shirts. No bad fans. Yeah, bad fans can change your opinion of a team. That's something I've realized. Like, we shouldn't just hate random teams, but that's exactly that, that's Twitter though. Twitter can ruin anything for you. So can Jason Lockenfora. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get this back on track with our wow. stick to football talk. <laughs> we also are predicting maybe the Patriots move off of we're giving them pick thirty two because they won the Super Bowl last night. We think <laughs> to move up Hopefully and get not just ram it. Gronk Jr., TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, so they would have to give up maybe a three, similar to the deal that we have the Chiefs uh, hypothetically making. Uh, I love TJ Hawkinson. Like, the more I'm watching his film, and I honestly didn't watch him a lot in season because I thought Noah Fant will declare Hawkinson will be the dude next year. And then Hawkinson was the dude this year. So getting caught up on him, I'm in love with his tape. And he could be like a sneaky top 15, top 16 pick. I don't know that they would have to trade up very far to get him. Yeah, and there's two other very good tight ends in this class, too, who I, I think can get a first-round grade. You already talked about Noah Fant and then Irv Smith Jr., a very athletic tight end as well. I think all three of those guys are in play for first round. Yeah, I look at this trade, and it, it obviously makes a ton of sense. I think the rise of Hawkinson has been incredible. And the reason why everybody, like a lot of people, especially us, were so late on him as a prospect was because everyone at Iowa thought he was staying. And he just had too good of a season, and he's going to test pretty well, jump really well. I think he'll run straight line very well. He's a great blocker, great film. So he's a first-round guy in this draft, no doubt about that. And if you're looking at New England, I I think my biggest question is, does Rob Gronkowski just walk away, or is New England going to be like, yeah, we're, we're done here? Like, which happens? I, I think you could pair him even with Gronk for a year or two, but I just I don't see that body putting up with a whole lot more. I don't know if you guys saw because we had just started recording, but there was a report. Maybe Mike Garofalo came out and said it. The the Patriots are pissed because Gronk was so hurt this year and they think it was because he started training with Brady's guy. And like that that's what caused his body to break down. The Patriots absolutely hate the TB12 diet. I don't it's been working for him for like 18 fucking years. <laughs> right. But I don't know. Well, it's it's HGH imported from Europe, so that's why. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, it was Mike Giardi who reported that. Uh, who? I don't know, but oh, NFL Network. Yeah, I do. I just didn't recognize the name. So, uh, yeah, uh, it, that's interesting. But I I think the Patriots need to get a tight end. I've We've made the joke before, Gronk should change his number to 69 and play left tackle because he's really just a blocker anymore. Um, great one. Great one. But I know that there were talks that he would retire if they traded him last year because the Lions wanted him. He said, I'll retire. I think if they if they won last night, <laughs> then I think he uh, then he just retires and they have to fill that need. Uh, all right, last one, and I made this one up, but I love it. The Philadelphia Eagles trade Nick Foles, who it sounds like they're going to do a sign and trade. They trade Nick Foles to the Jacksonville Jaguars for Leonard Fournette. Player for player, straight up. What do you do? Ooh, I don't straight up. I don't know if I like that deal 
for Jacksonville. For which team? <laughs> I, I think I like it quite a bit for the Eagles because you get a, a very physical running back when he's healthy. Now, if you could throw some picks in there too, I think I would like it a little bit more. Uh, but I, I do believe Jacksonville is going to go with a veteran. I just I think that's the way that it's going to line up. I don't know that they're going to draft one, and I think Nick Foles is going to be the favorite. So if if they can if they can pull it off, I would probably pull the trigger. Fournette's for twenty four years old. He has two years left on his deal, and then you have an option for a fifth year. And his guarantees have been voided, so. right? And they've already just pissed him off. So you're probably going to have to trade yep. him for something. Uh, but if I were Jacksonville, I'd maybe try to get a third maybe a fourth-round pick to go with it. I think it makes so much sense for Jacksonville. I mean, you get a quarterback there. You get you have a coaching staff there that's familiar with his game. My biggest question is for the Eagles, like the risk here is did you just get a buddy to hang out with Carson Wentz on the IR all year? <laughs> that's, yeah. that's my biggest fear. Like, if you – and, I like, I don't mean to make a joke of Carson Wentz's health or anything here, but you could seriously be sitting there in October and be like, oh, my God – we have who God knows who at quarterback while our starting running back and our starting quarterback are both hurt again. Do you, uh, let's dive into this a little bit. I know we've talked about it some before. Would you guys trade Foles or would you trade Wentz? Oh God. You but Mello's face made the look Man, that you, your sound. We're going to get hated. Okay. Either way. Here's my, there's here's no right my problem with the question. They've been so understandably quiet or sketchy and coy with Wentz's injury report that I don't know. Like his back injury went from like, Oh, he needs some time to like, yeah, you won't see him again this year. That kind of fucking scares me. And I think Carson Wentz is insane talent. He could be one of the better quarterbacks in the league, but without having those medicals, it's hard to just trade foals. It really is hard. And He's won a Super Bowl for them before. So you're not even sitting there asking the question, well, can this guy really get us over the top? Because he can. And he played well again this year in the playoffs, too. Uh, So for me, I would really have to dig into those medicals. But you still don't know what Carson Wentz is going to be after he comes back. Even if they say, oh, his back is completely healthy. He's still missed a lot of time. And you just there's a lot of uncertainty. I would probably trade Carson Wentz. Eagles fans, you don't have to come at me on Twitter. I'm not the GM. You don't have to worry about it. That is my opinion. Here's something to think about. You have to pay Carson Wentz in a year, at most two years. His contract is up after next year, technically. You have the fifth-year option. They'll definitely pick it it up. But, I mean, he he has missed a lot of time. you got an ACL injury and a back injury in back-to-back years. And this is a dude who was hurt in college. Like, yeah, it's scary. I would trade Wentz. And I like I like him. I'm not saying he's not good. And I want to yeah, get rid of him. Probably like, I really, that. really like him. Uh-huh. But God, he's just been hurt so much that it would scare the shit of me. But I also remember when Nick Foles wasn't in Philly and he was really bad. So uh, the, yeah, wasn't he with Jeff Fisher though? Ah, uh, that's true. It doesn't count. So yeah, you can just it's eliminate like calories on Super Bowl Sunday. Does not count exactly. One of the most important things for us throughout this draft season is to get on prospects that you guys have heard of. Get on some prospects that maybe you haven't heard of. One of my favorite players that I've seen throughout this process is Saquon Hampton, a safety from Rutgers, who if you guys haven't heard of yet, you're going to very, very soon. Uh, Check out his highlights on YouTube. Search his name on Twitter. Saquon, thanks for hanging out with us tonight, man. Huge fans uh, of what you've done on the field over the last three years at Rutgers. Uh, Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me on, uh, interviewing me and taking the time out of your day. Yeah, like likewise, thank you for your time, man. So let's talk a little bit about Rutgers. You, uh, coming out of high school, were a, a recruit that a lot of people were watching, and you opted to stay close to home. How important was it to you? Because, you know, like, a lot of people will say, like, oh, well, like, New York doesn't really have a college, you know, it, it, and Rutgers kind of gets a sometimes a bad reputation of being that almost like suburb school for New York City. But for you, it was important to stay close to home. How do you feel like that? Play, how much of that played into your decision to kind of stay and represent that area? Uh, it was definitely big for me growing up in Jersey. You know, you watch Rutgers being a home state kid in Jersey. And just having that opportunity to play home, play at home in front of my family and friends, and especially in the Big Ten, uh, Big Ten East being one of the best conferences uh, in the country, if not in that top in that top range. So for me, that was big for me to be able to play in the Big Ten Conference and play at home in front of my fa- friends and family who support me the most. 
Yeah, and you mentioned playing in the Big Ten, man. That was somewhere where you really had a chance to shine as a senior. When you you popped on my radar, I think the Wisconsin game in week nine is the one that everyone's going to point to is like, that was kind of your your big coming out moment this season where you had two interceptions in that game. Do you feel like that was when you started to get some recognition from, you know, whether it's scouts or agents hitting you up, people in the draft community paying attention to you more? Was that your big moment this year? Yeah, I think definitely that Wisconsin game was my biggest moment of the year. Just to come out of there with, uh, like you had mentioned, two interceptions and 10 tackles. And uh, I feel like that game right there really opened a lot of eyes and really showed the potential that I have in me and the abilities that I could, that I have. Yeah, and like one thing that, that people should know, too, is that you were a team captain this year. You were voted team MVP. Is that something that comes up in, as you've gone through the process for about a month now, this pre-draft process, as you talk to scouts, is that something that comes up a lot? Because, I mean, as you know, I mean, you could be a great player, but that character off the field is so important to what teams are looking for. Exactly. Uh, definitely uh, talking to scouts, especially at the East-West Shrine game, my character wasn't an issue. Uh, it's all been good reviews. Uh, I just show up each and every day with a positive attitude and mindset, and I attack each day like there's no tomorrow. And that's ultimately got me uh, the captain voting from my teammates. They trust me. They trusted me and to lead the unit, and that's what I did. Yeah, and you you had a great year. Like I said, three picks, team captain, team MVP. You led the Big uh, Big Ten Conference in passes defense. So as the NFL is looking for safeties who can cover, is that a big part of your game that you're like that you're really selling these scouts and eventually you'll get to the combine and be talking to general managers is the fact that, Hey, like I, I can actually match up and cover some of these guys. You're not just a not just an in the box safety. You're not just an over the top zone guy. You actually have some coverage chops too. Exactly, and uh, and I think that's big for me. I pride myself in in man coverage. It's something that we do over there at Rutgers. We play a lot of man, and if you watch the film, you'll see that that's I'm I'm in the slide a lot, a lot, a lot, and and I'm guarding slot receivers throughout the majority of the game. And I feel as if I have that skill set to do that. All right, now for some of the fun stuff, man. Like, what's something that people don't know about you um, as you're kind of, like, uh, your name is popping up, people are starting to fall in love with your skill set, but as a person, like, what's something that no one knows about you or that, not no one, but, you know, people in, that are covering the draft and looking at you as a player? Uh, n- someone that, like, as, in terms of my character, you mean? Yeah, or, you know, hobbies, like, you get, you know, like, are you secretly a chef on the side or anything like that? Oh, yeah, I, I can cook on the, on the side. I do a little cooking for uh, my teammates here and there and my housemates. Uh, I'll cook a little bit for them. But uh, one of the things I just like to do, I like to uh, hang out with the guys and go to dinner and just, just hang out with the guys, you know, watch watch football. That's it's really like, it's nothing interesting, but uh, it's really what I do on my free time. I just watch a lot of football. So you're, you're one of the players that's actually a football fan because we get that a lot where guys, you'd be like, you know, who's your favorite NFL team or who's your favorite player? And they'll kind of look at you like, I don't know what you're asking me. So are you a Giants or a Jets fan then? Oh, I'm, I'm neither. If I told you a team I like, you'll say, you'll ask me why. It'll be a long story. <laughs> we got to get into it then. We got to go there. Uh, I'm a Cowboys fan. What? Uh, you're from Jersey and you're a Cowboys fan? That's a sin. Yeah, that's, that's the reaction <laughs> I get all the time. But I just grew up like in Dallas and them being America's team, they kind of stuck with me since I was younger. So I really, uh, that's, that's my favorite team. I'll tell you what, man, the people listening to the podcast know this about me. I'm a little bit older than you, but I'm a Niners fan and I'm from Missouri and people be like, why, how are you a Niners fan from the middle of the country? (laughs) It's the same deal. Like when you grow up watching Jerry Rice and those guys on TV, it's hard not to be a fan. So I, I can understand it a little bit, but I'm sure you definitely caught some flack. I get, I get a lot of crazy feedback from that. Definitely. Yeah. So are you like a Darren Woodson fan then at your safety or who's your go-to safety that, that you really admire their game? I watch a lot of Earl Thomas. I think uh, I like the way he plays the game. He plays the game really fast, and I, I feel as if I do too. And uh, he's, he's a downhill guy, and he can uh, do a lot of different things. You're maybe a little bit known as more of a hitter than he is. Would you say that? I mean, you're you're quite a bit bigger. You're six one, probably about two ten. Uh, Earl is, is not little by any stretch of the imagination, but don't I see more of your game as being able to come downhill and bump people a little bit too? Oh yeah, definitely. I, I definitely have that in my game. I can play in a box and. Uh, definitely have to play single eye. I didn't do much of it at Rutgers because I was in a lot of man coverage, but I feel as if uh, one of the things that's also undervalued is my range. I feel as if I have uh, above average range. So who were some of the guys that you matched up against this year? Obviously, Big Ten East. You're seeing some good receivers. You're seeing some very good tight ends as well. 
who were some of the guys that you were like really looking forward to playing uh, throughout this last year and were a tough matchup for you? Uh, I would say my the, the biggest matchup that I looked forward to was a matchup with uh, KJ Hamler out of Penn State. Uh, he's a, a shifty guy and he's very fast. And uh, leading up to that game, I was very excited to play and have that that challenge. So what's your life like right now? You're probably training for the combine, trying to get ready for that. What's like your day-to-day? Uh, my day-to-day is I'm over here up at uh, Tom Shaw in Florida, Orlando, Florida, training with Tom Shaw and his staff. And uh, we're doing two sessions a day over here. And uh, the process is going good. Uh, a lot of making a lot of strides each day, just attacking each day, just, just as I did in college. And it's, it's going to pay off. What kind of expectation do you have for where you're going to be drafted? Obviously, it's like it's very early. A lot could change with combine, pro day, private workouts. But if you had a, a feeling right now, where do you think that would be? Uh, I don't. I don't really have like a uh, like a, a feeling as to where I'm just gonna. I'm just attacking each day really and putting my head down and continuing to uh, use that underdog as a chip and. Wherever it takes me, it takes me. But as far as um, where I see myself right now, I just see myself just uh, continuing to work. That's that's all I know, and that's what I'm going to continue to do. Yeah, I love it. That's I've, I think a lot of people get too caught up, you know, in the the process, and they're googling their name, and they got alerts set up on Twitter. Um, so I respect that that you're you're not one of those guys. Now I I pulled up your Twitter earlier today because I knew we we're going to be talking. And I saw you retweeted this Deion Sanders touchdown celebration. Have you thought about, because in the NFL, they're going to let you dance a little bit if you want. Have you thought about how you're going to celebrate that first touchdown? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I can't wait to watch that uh, 30 for 30 with Deion. Uh, that's probably one of the things I'm looking forward to today, definitely. Uh, definitely, I have a signature dance that I got to do that's going to pop out and stand out like Deion. I can't wait, man. Can't wait. Well, we are wishing you uh, nothing but the best of luck throughout the next couple months. We'll definitely see you in Indy at the Combine and, and you know, wish you a lot of success there. Thanks for taking some time out for us today. Everybody can hop on Twitter and follow you. It's TDC underscore nine. That's where they can check you out, uh, follow you throughout the process. So we appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Uh, have a great one. It's wrapped on draft time, fellas. I, I have more energy at the end of the show than I did the beginning. My hangover is wearing off. Oh, mine too. Thankfully, Thank like God. this is exactly what I needed because I, I, you know, like I, I always say, like if there's a product that we believe in, and I don't care if they're paying me, I'm going to tell you guys. Mello can attest to this, and Connor heard me when we got on the call today. I wasn't doing great. I drank a body armor in the first segment. I could run through that wall right now. Like <laughs> I feel great. So. There's your free endorsement, body armor. Yeah. Not brought to you by Natural Light today. And I'm drinking pretty much the same thing. Vitamin water. It's a lot better for you. Or maybe it's just Connor's sweet voice that's making us feel better. Maybe. It's Connor's health that's coming through our ears. <laughs> yeah. And like, Stick to football. We'll cure you yeah. whatever you have. Right. We do need a new tagline. Maybe that's it. All right. Uh, no beers for me because Mello and I are going to a Super Bowl party right after we record. And, and I was very hungover when we started today. Our buddy Tim NFL. Draft on draft question. Is Kyler Murray working with anyone right now? Agent, football, baseball coach, anything? His interview is a bad look, in my opinion, and he isn't doing himself any favors. We talked about it at the top of the show, Tim. We uh, we don't know, but he should be. I mean, he has Scott Boris as his baseball I don't agent. think he's a licensed football agent, though. Right, but I would even think that at some point he would be in his ear being like, hey, they're going to ask you about but this. But you know what? I don't bet not, because Scott Boris wants him to play baseball. So he's probably like, hey, great interview, man. Keep it up. Yeah. yeah. Plummet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah. It was probably you all You know his what Kyler idea. Murray felt like? In Kyler Murray sitting in that chair where he looked like really small, felt like he found the machine from Big as like a little kid. And now he's like thrown into the adult world, but he still has the mind of a seven-year-old or whatever it is. Right. And just, they're just like, they're like, you're going to be an NFL quarterback or play baseball? And he's like, meh. I don't know. And then he slumps down and starts like rubbing his head. <laughs> yeah, kind of just so, like playing with my toys right now. Yeah, exactly. Like I want to go home and like have a juice box and play video games. Hey, That's what it looked like. I have come home before and played Red Dead and ate goldfish crackers. And Oh, I do like, it all the time. I, I will steal Emmett's snacks like straight up. Like the other day he was like, you really like goldfish crackers. Like, I, yeah, I do. And I'll uh-huh. drink a Capri Sun out of the pouch. Oh, I don't yeah. pour it in a cup. No, you get it's like two of them because they're so small. <laughs> I've seen Mello drink a Capri Sun in about 
three seconds. It's mm, like Brady chugging yeah. a beer. It's like <laughs> you gone. squeeze it and you don't even have a choice. Wait till you have kids, Connor. It's just you have snacks at your house all the time. It's great. Uh, Dakota Cox, next question. Who in this class is most likely to win Super Bowl MVP first? Uh, that's, I mean, obviously, I think a lot of people would say it's going to be Bosa just because he's going to be the first pick. But I don't know that I see the Cardinals going to a Super Bowl anytime soon. so hard to not, like, to win MVP, you kind of have to be a quarterback, too. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's Kyler. Ooh. Or or Haskins, one of the two. I just don't think anyone else, people, there's not like I was Saquon in this class. Oh, there's There's not? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That was, my answer was going to be Josh Jacobs. So okay, that's all right. I was honeypot you guys. Can we get a spoiler alert on where you have him in your seven round mock? Uh, I had him fall a little bit because just I have no running backs going. I had the Raiders taking him at twenty four. Okay, that's fair. I honestly expected you to pull the trigger like five. I wanted to, but Daniel Jeremiah did it, and I love DJ, but I don't want to like copy his. You know, I don't even like when we get closer. He and I will have a lot of picks that are similar. That one makes a lot of sense. Um, Yeah. I don't know. It could be, I mean, even David Montgomery, if you want to stay at the running back position, I think he's a guy who could get a lot of touches. He's probably going to go in the second round, so he might find himself on a When he's team. a chief and they I win mean, the Super Bowl next year? Yeah, for real. Or even like last year, we saw um, the Georgia running back get drafted by the Patriots. Sonny Michelle? Yeah, I mean, he could be, maybe he was the Super Bowl MVP he might last be. We don't know. Yeah, so. He might have been the Super Bowl MVP. I really like doing a show where something has happened, but we don't know what happened. Like, <laughs> I feel like we should have done a Mad Lib segment where whiskey can just plug in more like catchphrases, you know, like, man, what a great throw by last night. That was an amazing catch. <laughs> so I remember like, oh, God, it was a very long time ago. I was going to say 10 years ago, but it was more than that. Uh, it was the Broncos Falcons Super Bowl. The Simpsons did an episode that was supposed to air like the next day or right after it or something. But they didn't have all the voiceovers. So they just had Homer hold a beer in front of his face. And then they just added it in. And it's like, I am so glad that the Atlanta Falcon made it to the Super Bowl. Like, that's what we should have done. Yeah. So my answer is Josh Jacobs. I Not to the Raiders. Did I even give an answer? I don't know. You talked about a lot of people. Yeah. I'll I'll go with David Montgomery because I think he's going to end up on a pretty solid team. Hopefully somewhere in the second round. Connor, did you have an official answer? Yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Dwayne Haskins. Okay, there we go. T.J. Yeah. Hawkinson for the Patriots next year. All MVP. Right. There it is. <laughs> yeah. uh, next, Devin Shepard. <laughs> Devin Shepard wants to know: Are people overlooking Dalton Reisner as a top tackle prospect in this class? Doesn't his snap by snap consistency make him a top prospect on the offensive line? Man, I think so. Uh, he's so good. And I I know we talked about this, Connor. A lot of people think he's gonna be moved to center in the NFL. I don't yep. care where he plays. He's just really, really good. So I he's do so think he's been overlooked. He's so nasty too. Like every time yeah. I see his name on like a draft on draft question or or whatever it is, I think of like him almost getting into fights at the senior bowl. That's what you want out of an offensive yeah. lineman. Yeah. It, and also almost getting in a fight with Zach Allen. Like yeah. I want to watch that fight. And they're both such nice guys. Like they probably would never really. F- yeah, they would. They definitely yeah, would, but after what I saw, they would definitely really fight. I think there's some like misconceptions about Reisner, though, because I think a lot of people think that he's like short, short armed because he's kind mm-hmm. of a stout kid. But he's six, four and five eighths, 308 pounds, 10 and five eighths hands, which is huge. And he has 34 and a quarter inch arms like he's he's not too small to play tackle. So I don't know. He is light. He's he's very light, but he's not like he's not smaller than Joe Staley. A, I mean, he could yeah. play tackle. Um, I don't know why there's this rush to move guys all the time. And Amel, you've said it before, like just let guys play where they play. I like Reisner. I I mean, the Niners don't need a tackle. I, I would love for him to be there. The Jets, Connor, like how man, how great would he be on that Jets line? You know, just like someone oh, that be, tough. Yeah. And they need a center. And if he moves the tackle eventually or starts to tackle, whatever, they just need pieces on yeah. the offensive line. I think he could help so many teams, Reisner. And that's why I think in the end, he's probably sitting in that really like 20 to 40 kind of range. Maybe your Chiefs, Melo. It better be after they draft a corner. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd love for him to stay up there. Uncle Lewis, as you guys are quarterback enthusiasts, if you were going to write your own version of the Parcells quarterback draft criteria, 
what would they be? Hashtag throwing in jorts. Yes. Yes. For, for me, I don't care much about anything. Mechanics. I just want an accurate guy, a guy that's already going to come in and be accurate in the NFL. I think that's something that is very hard to fix, and NFL teams still think that they can correct it with whatever, footwork, throwing motion. There's just something about throwing a football that you can either do it or you can't. I think arm strength is something that is going to improve once your body still grows. I mean, these are 22-year-old kids. They're growing. They're going to get into a good workout system. So arm strength doesn't really matter to me, but I want quarterback accuracy immediately yeah and and the rules are like he's i think he's expanded on them over the years but it's like you have to be able to ignore you know outside football stuff have fun but don't be the clown throw with your legs is a big one uh know your job know your players be the same guy every day throwing it away is okay manage the game get your team to the end zone keep cool and chaos and no celebrity quarterbacks so, like, yeah, so he has like, like weird sense. production rules too. He does, yeah. So, like, one year starters aren't, don't really fit the criteria. Yeah, I, don't I, you have to be like sixty percent completion. Yep, and you want a three year starter. I actually think that could be why the Giants don't draft Kyler Murray or Dwayne Haskins because they still subscribe to the Bill Parcells philosophy. There, like, they're gonna take Daniel Jones. I was gonna say Daniel Jones is the only guy that would meet that. Drew Locke probably Drew Locke does. Think, He's three-year starter. But did he complete Isn't he 60%? under 60%? Yeah, I don't think he oh, did. Yeah, he is. Yeah, good call. Uh, yeah, so I, I honestly, like, I don't— Ryan Finley, that's who no, they take. Jesus. I, I don't, like, know anything yet about what the they plan to do, but, yeah, I, I Daniel Jones fits. You're right. Drew Locke was 56.9% complete. That's probably— well, Why we're on it, our last—we'll skip ahead here. This one from uh, Iman Morrissey. If they go quarterback, who is the best fit for the Giants? It might be Daniel Jones. I mean, just based on oh, the criteria. They take Haskins. They, yeah, so I think that's the difference. Like, that fits their philosophy, Daniel Jones. But who's like, actually the best quarterback for them is probably Dwayne Haskins. Like, yes. God, his arm with their receiving core would be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. He's accurate. He's smart. I mean, they, I know they care about their quarterbacks being big-bodied pocket passers, and that's exactly right. what Haskins is. Like, uh, it's so obvious to me if if they – after last year, and it's awesome, Saquon won Offensive Rookie of the Year. They have some really fun pieces there, but, man, start competing. Like, you got to get a guy in there that gives you a playoff hope. Especially when you have Beckham and Saquon there. Do you have to get yeah. somebody – Shepard Ingram. That can get those guys the football. Yeah. Yeah. I, that is – a that's going to be like a fun debate throughout this process of, okay, here's what they're going to do, but what should they do? And then we can all like look wrong in two years when the guy they draft ends up actually being good. Um, last question from our guy, Matt Glosek. Would you rather draft a high ceiling, low floor player or a high floor, low ceiling player? So ceiling and floor, um, it's, you know, obvious, hopefully obvious, but if not, the floor is where you are like right now or, and then the ceiling is where you can be. So, to, like our guy Dalton Reisner, I think is a very high floor. He comes in at a high level. He might not have a lot of room to get better. I would rather draft those types of players because it's becoming harder and harder to develop guys in the NFL. So I would rather draft someone that, like, I know what you are. Now, there are exceptions. Patrick Mahomes is a pretty big one of a guy who, when he came out of Texas Tech, had a very low floor, but an incredibly high ceiling. Obviously, it works uh, because of because of him, because of Andy Reid, because he got to sit for a year. But I would much rather have guys that I know are going to be good. I, I think it's almost you have to take it prospect by prospect and see really like who they are. Like you talk about Dalton Reisner. I think he's a safe bet, and he's probably going to be a day one starter for a very long time. He might never be a pro bowler, but you have to look at it each prospect because I didn't like to Pat Mahomes draft pick. I'll just say it. Everybody gives me shit for it. It worked out for them, though. But other quarterbacks in there, like um, Watson, I think, was a guy who kind of had that high floor, maybe not a high ceiling. I know he made the Pro Bowl, but that's kind of the difference in those two guys. They're both very successful, though. Yeah. Yeah, I look at, like, Cleland Farrell is another high floor kind of guy. But you look at it, and you're like, well, he's already really good. That's why he's going top 10. Like, do we think, is the ceiling, like, limitless for him? Probably not, but... He's a double-digit sack guy that plays the run really well, has a great attitude, and has won two national championships in a starting role. So it's like, okay, I know what I'm getting because there's traits there, there's size there, there's film there, and characters, A+. So it's – and then you look at – here's the exact opposite on the spectrum. Ja'Kai Polite. 
he really was a one-year starter on the edge because he lost weight and moved outside. And the production was okay. The traits are awesome, but he was okay against the run. But everything is like flashes. You're like, that guy probably could be the best pass rusher in this class, but I see it here and there. So the cha- the floor is lower because the bust potential is so much higher. So it, like Melo really alluded to, it's so prospect by prospect, you know, orientated where it's, that's what matters most. It's just a matter of who do you want to swing the bat on? And that's what it comes down to. And I think the Chiefs took a gigantic swing and it worked out quite well for them. Yeah, it really did, man. And it, it will be, I, I'm so intrigued by the quarterbacks in this class, like just trying to figure it out, you know, and, and we're getting to that process now that draft 400 is starting. And, and as we go through the next couple months, I'm looking forward to like, we're going to have to like once a month for the next three months have an episode where we just talk about these quarterbacks and try to figure out like, okay, here's where we are. Here's what we're seeing. I know we're going to start doing a lot more scouting reports on the show. Uh, Connor, you and I have already dove into that a little bit on the Wednesday show. So guys, like as listeners, like this is our time of year. Like you're not going to want to miss an episode from now until the draft because we're going to be in it. Like mock drafts, rumors, rankings, team needs, scouting reports, and we want to hear from you guys, like what you want. You can leave it in your iTunes review. You can tweet us. You can Instagram us. Like, what type of information do you want to hear on this show three times a week? And we'll make it happen. All right, that's our show. We will be back Wednesday morning. Connor and I breaking it down. Uh, thanks again to our guy Saquon Hampton for stopping by. Uh, really wishing him the best of luck uh, co- coming out of Connor's backyard to play in the NFL. So it's uh, very Jersey time. boys. Yeah, Jersey boys are where it's at. So thank you guys. We will be back. And congratulations if your team won the Super Bowl Sunday night.